everyone, and welcome to David and Jeff's Survivor Podcast. I'm David, and with me, as always, is... Jeff! How are you doing, Jeff? I'm wonderful. How are you today, David? I'm doing fantastic. It's been a long time since we have been able to talk about an episode of Survivor, and I am super excited to talk about this one. I was, you know, I was very hesitant a lot about a lot of the twists going in. I was a little optimistic, and I gotta say, I really, really enjoyed the premiere episode. Yeah, I did too, and you know, I was, I was not as pessimistic as a lot of people that I saw online. I was quite optimistic about the season. I liked a lot of people they were bringing back, and even from an optimist point of view, the episode far exceeded my expectations. Um, and I think we could potentially have a really enjoyable season on our hands. Yeah. And, yeah, I think there was a lot of things that went well for it, and we'll talk about that later. Uh, we haven't gotten to the actual duel part, so that may take away a little bit things, and we do get a shorter time period. Yeah. So there could be some things. So, I mean, I'm not going to say this is going to be the best season ever, but I, I did love the premiere episode, and I think it could be in store for a great season. Yeah, I agree. So, uh... This being our first uh, official, you know, podcast episode of the season, I thought we should take some time and uh, share a little bit about ourselves and what we do here on the podcast for people who maybe are newer listeners. So we've come up with a list of five things about David and Jeff's Survivor podcast. And we are going to share those with you right now. Right. So number one. We are both huge Survivor fans. It should be sort of uh, apparent and obvious, but uh, we both love Survivor, watched every season. We know uh, ins and outs of the games as well as most of the players uh, and everything. So we like to constantly sort of look back and compare previous seasons and contestants to current ones. Absolutely. Our second, The second thing about David and Jeff's Survivor Podcast is we are not a podcast that is solely dedicated to doing recaps. We uh, will summarize the events of an episode while doing analysis, but our main thing is to talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, where we think the season is going, and other things like that. We uh, analyze the season with former and current cast members of Survivor, with other Survivor fans like yourselves, and uh, another good point is the fact that we are 100% spoiler-free, so you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, absolutely. We like to to share and go deeper into the show, so we're not, if, uh, if you haven't seen the episode, you probably shouldn't listen to our podcast yet. Our thing is to take the episode and dissect it and to go into it and share our opinions and thoughts of it. Absolutely. Uh, third one, as Jeff mentioned, we'd love to have guests on the show, whether that be former survivors or fan, other fans who just love talking about it. We love to get anyone and everyone on the podcast, because sometimes Jeff can be a little boring just to talk to you by himself. So if you have any interest in being on the podcast, let us know. Uh, join our Facebook group, David and Jeff Survivor Podcast, or comment uh, on our website, survivorpodcast.blogspot.com. Uh, let us know, and we'd love to see what we can do to get you on the podcast. We've had many fans on here uh, before, and we love talking to each and every one of them. Yes. Fourth, fourth thing about David and Jeff Survivor Podcast, as you can tell by what we are currently doing, we absolutely adore lists. Uh, we make lists of all kinds. Later in the podcast, you're going to hear a top five list that we've made. 
Uh, if you go back into our David and Jeff Survivor po- Podcast archives, you'll see many different episodes dedicated to ranking the top 10 uh, one-hit wonders of reality television, the top 10 twists in reality television, lots of top 10, top 100 lists. So that is something we enjoy doing, and we think that you guys enjoy listening to them. Yeah, if you don't, uh, send us a hundred comments, and then maybe we'll change our mind. Make sure that they're ranked from yeah, most persuasive most important, yeah. to least. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah. And uh, finally, we love to play games. Uh, with any of our guests that come on, or just between Jeff and myself, we love to do fun, different, creative things that you maybe normally don't uh, have on other podcasts. So uh, whether it be playing Imagine If or Would You Rather or random trivia games to see if Jeff is smarter than Yao Man, we do it all here, uh, and it's just a fun time. Yeah, absolutely. Our guests love it, too, and we love it, and games are fun. Exactly. exactly. Hey, Survivor's a game. What do you know? Oh my gosh. It all makes sense now. That's why they keep saying it on the show. It's just a game. It's only a game. Right. Oh, man. Whew. Okay. Well, David, shall we get started? Let's get started. So we're going to have two recurring... Uh, uh, segments. Segments. Thank you very much, Jeff. We are, we're going to have two recurring segments this season on the podcast. We usually switch them up and have different ones. The first one, we always try to have some sort of competition between Jeff and I, somehow predicting the season as it goes along. Uh, as we said, it is spoiler-free, so we don't know what's going to happen, but we do like to speculate. So the first thing uh, this season we're going to do is a new game called High and Low. Jeff, you want to explain what we're going to be doing? Absolutely. So each week, David and I are going to pick one contestant who is still on Survivor and who is not on Redemption Island to have to be high and one contestant to be low. There are three points available uh, for each high and low per week. If the high pick does not get voted out, wins the challenge, the immunity challenge, and has more than three confessionals, you get three points, and it's one point for each of them. If the low pick gets voted out, loses the challenge, and has less than two confessionals, then you also get a point for each of those. So there's up to six points available per week. Basically, David and I are doing a sort of power ranking, trying to decide who would be the person who's going to get the most exposure during the week and the person who is going to do the worst for the week or get the least exposure. So if we had done this for the premiere episode, maybe a good choice would have been Marissa because she got voted out and she lost the challenge. Um, And a good high would have probably been uh, Colton or Brad Culpepper. Even though he lost the challenge, he definitely got lots of confessionals and did not get voted out. Absolutely. So, David, for week two, would you like to begin with your high pick? I shall begin with my high pick. And I hadn't actually thought that much about it, so let me think of it. High pick, obviously, we want someone who I think is going to not get voted out. That's the main uh, crucial thing. I actually think the, the loved ones may win the next challenge. So I'm going to pick someone from their tribe. I'm going to pick someone who's very secure in their position and will probably get a lot of votes, uh, get a lot of confessionals. So I'm going to choose Brad Culpepper. Brad Culpepper it is. I think that's a really, really solid pick. 
Um, similarly, I think that the loved ones do have a pretty good shot of winning the challenge just based on the next time on Survivor segment. So I'm also going to choose a loved one. Um, I'm going to choose Vetus. I think that we saw kind of the, uh, the inkling of some strategy that deals with making, uh, relationships with the entire tribe. And I think that we may see sort of a branch off of that and a continuation of that storyline. Right, low pick is hard because the person who gets voted out often has an innumer innumerably high number of confessionals. So you kind of have to choose what you're going to focus on. I personally think that I'm going to go with someone who I think won't get many confessionals on the favorite side or the returning player side. They may not get voted out. But I think if they lose the challenge and don't get many confessionals, then I still get two out of three points. So I am going to go with Kat, because she was pretty invisible this most recent episode. Um, but I don't think she's in too much danger of going home, so I don't see her getting confessionals this episode. Or this next, like, upcoming episode. I'm going to choose someone also from the Favorites tribe. But I'm going to go with the non-favorite and choose Laura Bonehead and not the other Ooh. one. I don't know if she's not in danger. I don't think she'll get a lot of confessionals. I think she's not going to be in control of the game at all. So uh, the only thing I can possibly see her getting confessionals for is her reactions to the Redemption Island duel. So if they do lose, she does stand a chance of getting voted out because she's not a favorite. And she does, may not get a lot of confessionals if she's not getting voted out. So. Okay. Well, we will table that then until next week when we will come with the results for our picks this week and our uh, picks for next week. So. So, the next segment we're going to do, if you remember last season, if you were listening, we did a thing called the BJ Rules, based on uh, the BR Rules. Uh, this time we're going to do something different, and we're going to do David and Jeff's Top 5. So, Jeff and I both created separately top five lists, uh, top five lists of some random topic uh, that could or could not be related to the most recent episode. So this time, our first one, we are doing the top five season premieres of Survivor. Yeah, a uh, very good topic, apropos, and one that I think where there could be a little bit of clash, but there's also going to be a lot of agreement. Yeah, very possibly. So, so. I, have some, I have some wild cards on my list. So what will happen is we'll alternate. We'll go from five all the way down to our one. And I will say that uh, Blood versus Water is pretty high on my list. I mean, it's not on my top five list, but it, this was a pretty solid premiere episode. Yeah, I agree. Um, I guess I'll start with my number five as well. I sort of cheated, and uh, I have two number fives. And I know that's not usually allowed, but I thought this time, considering my criteria, you, I would allow it. I chose... Survivor All-Stars and Survivor Blood vs. Water, this most recent season, or the, the season that we're all watching right now, uh, both were incredibly, were seasons that 
well, at least for Blood versus Water, underrated going in. People were not expecting to do very well. All-Stars, on the other hand, very highly rated going in and fell after that. But the first episode of All-Stars is, first of all, it's hilarious. Second of all, it's absolutely epic to watch all of these huge players from the past come back. Um, just the gravity of that never having been a concept before makes it a worthy episode. And the ending of the episode sort of sets the tone for the entire pre-merge of the season and does a really good job of laying out what's going to happen. And you watch one of literally the biggest players in Survivor history go home. Uh, whereas with Survivor Blood vs. Water, like I said, low expectations going in for just about the entire Survivor fan community. But as we'll talk about throughout this uh, podcast, I think one of the strongest premier Survivors ever had. It vastly improved ratings over Kara Mullen's premiere, and I think f with good reason. It was a solid premiere. It had good character scenes, good strategic development. Uh, every single person got at least two confessionals. There was not a single person without two confessionals, which is unprecedented for 20 people. And so I think just a really solid premiere all over the place. Yeah. All right, my number five uh, is a little surprising when I, I went through the list and actually did it, but uh, Survivor Philippines. Uh, I really liked this premiere, actually. You had the three uh, medevac people returning, three tribes. That was very interesting. I thought it had a, a really good dynamic with the three different groups, seeing how they all different interact and everything. And you had one of the most entertaining first boots uh, of, of all time with Crazy Zane, uh, and somehow orchestrating telling people that he <laughs> that he wanted to get voted out so that he got voted out, but he didn't actually want to get voted out. I just thought it was a uh, solid episode all around, and we got introduced to Melvin. <laughs> that is what makes a solid episode of Survivor, I think, being introduced to Malcolm. Well, it's just a bonus at the end. I even if we did, I I still think it was a pretty solid episode. Fair enough. My fourth pick is Survivor Pearl Islands. Coincidentally, one of the only seasons uh, where the winner of the season has the first confessional of the season, if that means anything to you. Um, but no, Survivor Pearl Islands was an absolutely thrilling premiere. You had the unprecedented going to the village where you see Rupert for the first time being a villain and promising to be one of the worst villains the show has ever seen in stealing shoes and saying pirates pillage, pirates steal, and then turning that around a complete 180 and becoming one of the biggest heroes that the show has ever seen, which culminates, I think, in last night's episode when he uh, you know, gave up his spot in the game for his wife. Uh, so you're introduced to all these amazing characters, you have amazing gameplay, um, just a phenomenal, a phenomenal season all around, and I think the reason, one of the big reasons why, you know, we're still bringing people back from Survivor Pearl Islands, like Rupert, like Sandra, like Johnny Fairplay, because the characters that were, that began in that first episode were so iconic. Absolutely. My number four may be a little controversial. It's a season generally disliked by most, uh, by quite a few Survivor people, and that would be Redemption Island. Now, I will say this: I was I'm not a big fan of, on the whole of 
Survivor Redemption Island. I think the season itself is sort of lackluster, especially as you go on. But the premiere of Redemption Island was actually quite good. I mean, you had these two tribes. You had Boss Rob and Russell coming in, uh, interacting. So the first time we saw only two people come since Bobby, John, and Stephanie. And it was sort of different than that because these were like more iconic Survivor legends type of things. And you just had this amazing tribal council, one of the best first tribal councils I've ever seen with the whole Philip and Francesca thing and, and how that all happened and all this gameplay that, that happened in the very first episode that I thought was uh, pretty amazing to watch. And I came off the first episode with very, very high hopes for the season. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't last, but I, I think it was a very solid premiere. Yeah, I agree that was a really solid premiere. Not my top five, but a very good premiere. And I think, David, we should take pause right now and note the fact that uh, no one will see Survivor Borneo on either of our top five lists. David and I have made the executive decision to exclude that as a totally different entity. And uh, we're just going to keep it off of this list because it's so different and radically uh it's nothing like anything new, and for that well, reason... It's the birth of Survivor is so iconic that it's in its own category. Like, right. I, we're, not, we're not saying it's worse than any of these careers. It's so above and beyond any anything else that uh, it, yeah, it's, it's in its own category. Yeah. So I just wanted to note that since we'd forgotten forgotten to mention that. My, my number three uh, might be a little bit surprising to some people... Um, but maybe not. I don't know. I don't, I'm not really sure how people feel about this one. It is, uh, Survivor the Australian Outback. Um, first of all, one of the most watched episodes of Survivor ever. This is Survivor when it was at its highest point, literally ever, uh, maybe with the exception of the finale of season one. And you, again, introduced all of these iconic characters. You've got, uh, Colby and Jeff and Alicia and, uh, and Michael Scoopin, and, you know, there's a reason that when Survivor pulls from... Oh, yeah, Amber. I mean, just um, these amazingly rich characters, right? Not bland at all. (laughs) And Mad Dog. Don't forget about Mad Dog. Uh, But there's a reason that when Survivor pulls from the history books, they're pulling people from these iconic seasons because the characters are just so rich and you get such a good idea of who these people are. I mean, you look at Michael Scoopin was pulled from back all the way back in season two uh, in, in Survivor Philippines, and Tina Wesson was pulled all the way back from seasons two and eight for Survivor Blood versus Water. And it's because of these iconic seasons and these iconic premieres. And, you know, you have Tina in the premiere who doesn't even get a confessional. She's the only person without a confessional. But she ends up winning. But you still get a good sense of who her character is. And I think it's one of the most well-rounded premieres. You know, I talked about Blood vs. Water about how everyone got at least two confessionals. And the Australian Outback, you get an idea of who all of these people are. Even though, you know, Tina doesn't have a confessional, you still get who she is. And it's really just this amazing cacophony of people coming together and really doing what Survivor was meant to do, which was create a society. And... It just, it works, and there's funny moments, and there's serious moments, and Survive, the premiere of Survivor Australian Outback is just so epic that it really works. Couldn't agree more. My number three, Heroes versus Villains. 
uh, is sort of uh, another epic premiere of all these people coming together and battling. You had the, the wrestling challenge to open it out. You had the, the villains winning the first immunity challenge and, you know, sending the, the heroes to travel castle and sugar getting to be the first one voted off, which was pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> and uh, lots of funny scenes throughout. I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it's a pretty amazing episode. Yeah. Uh, my number two is also Survivor Heroes versus Villains. Uh, like you said, just a phenomenal premiere. Great characters. Great people that they brought back. I think quite possibly one of the most well-rounded casts that they've ever brought back for a season of Survivor, with maybe the exception of Survivor All-Stars. I think the best group of people that they've ever brought back for a season. Um, the wrestling challenge is just so ridiculously epic. I mean, in the first challenge of a season of Survivor, you have a girl who break, dislocates her shoulder, a guy who breaks his toe, um, a, and a topless finish with a double flip-off. Like, that's what a Survivor Challenge, that's how a Survivor Challenge ends. And you've got just these amazing moments with people, and it just, it works. You've got Colby's great confessional about Sugar being annoying. You've got Courtney's great confessional about uh, Russell being a troll. You've just, it, it, Everything in that fina or everything in that premiere clicked so well, and especially coming off of Survivor Samoa, which was such a disappointment and a letdown. Coming off of Survivor Samoa to have that premiere, I think, was almost a rebirth for Survivor. So, yeah, my number two is one you already mentioned, Survivor: The Australian Outback. So huge and iconic, like you said, uh, it, it was truly epic at the time. Everyone was thinking, can they do this again? And, and they did it again, and it was it's pretty phenomenal to watch. Another thing that I think you forgot to mention is it actually it had a great first boot, too. You had Deb with the rocks and not <laughs> understanding why she got voted out. I mean, I think even the, the first person voted out was a true character that you really got to know. Um, and I, I think what makes a good season and what makes a good finale is the winner. In the same sense, you also have to have a good first boot to uh, to have a, a good premiere. And I think that definitely helped with Survivor Australia. Absolutely. Well, my number one, and I, I have a sneaking suspicion, David, that we may have the same one for number one. Uh, so if we do, stop me and we can kind of bounce off of each other when explaining it. My number one is Survivor Amazon. Is that yours? No. Oh my gosh, I'm shocked. Okay, well then I'll, I'll go off on Survivor Amazon and then you can do yours. But Survivor Amazon is an absolutely phenomenal premiere. I Like I'm saying right now, I think it's the best premiere Survivor's ever had. Um, you've got this amazing, absolutely phenomenal idea of putting men versus women. You've got this absolutely, absolutely phenomenal chauvinistic group of men. You've got this absolutely phenomenal challenge in which those men lose. And just their entire world is crashed. And yet they're still talking about the girls. They still, like, it's every, again, this is another premiere where everything clicks and everything clicks in the exact right way. And I think that it hits on all the points that a Survivor premiere needs to hit on. It's got humor. It's got serious moments. It's got great characters. It's got a strong first boot that you understand why he's going home. It's got, uh, 
uh, unexpected finish to the challenge. It has power dynamic. It has ships. It has the starting of alliances that are going to last the entire game. It has the starting of alliances that are going to crumble in episode two. It's got friendships that are going to form for the rest of the game, like Jenna and Heidi. It's just got everything that a Survivor premiere needs to have tied up with this perfect little bow, and it just works. And it introduces you to all of these great characters who have been robbed of being not brought back. Um, I Like Dina, I think, is one of the biggest overlooks in ever being not brought back for a season of Survivor. And Survivor Amazon, I think, is just the epitome of what a Survivor premiere should be. And I'm interested to see why David disagrees. Um, okay, before I get to my number one, I'll tell you why I disagree, why Amazon wasn't on my list. Uh, I think it was a, definitely a good premiere. It was entertaining. I think ultimately the reason why I chose my my five is that in the end, the, the person voted out, you should care that they got voted out, whether you were against them or for them, to care. And I find myself when watching the Amazon Yes, there's a lot of cool things and interesting characters, but I could care less about Ryan. I don't really care about him, whether he, he stays or goes. And maybe that's why it doesn't quite make the list. Right. And I think that comes, you know, I'm, I think it's important who goes home, but I don't think that's the crux of the episode, in, especially in the premiere. So I understand why we're kind of disagreeing on that. Yeah, it's a different mentality. Now, that being said, my number one is one that you have already mentioned. And that would be Pearl Island. I think this was the the most epic and amazing premiere episode. You have one of the most unique and creative openings that a Survivor has ever had. To have them, first of all, this is the first time they ever, uh, you know, premiered with just the clothes on their back and not getting their, you know, backpack of, of things. So that was unique in and of itself. But then to have them barter and get supplies. It was it's just such an amazing way to start a season, something that we've never even seen before. I mean all the other times it's sort of been, alright, get on <coughs> travel by a boat or walk to your, you know, camp location and, and things like that. So this was just a, a totally unique uh totally unique way to start the, the season. That was so cool. And to have so many of these big characters you you mentioned, these iconic and huge characters, and to get introduced to all of them, and, and to really fall in love with everyone, and to, I think the first boot was strong too, you had uh, Nicole, who, uh, I was definitely on the side that I cared, that I wanted her out, <laughs> um, and I, I was not a fan of hers, but I think her downfall was just very interesting to watch, and, and fascinating, and I think it all culminated into not only one of the best, if not the best, premieres of all time, but one of the best seasons of all time. Okay. Well, I think we've both got pretty strong lists, and uh, so yeah, we'll be able, we'll be sure to put our lists up on our Facebook page, and uh, feel free to add your own, uh, your top five premieres, or rank all 27 if that's what you feel like doing. Uh, but yeah, anything to keep the conversation going. Absolutely. So why don't we actually get into this uh, episode? Absolutely, David. Now, I know that you and I both agreed on one thing, and let's see if we continue that agreement. The Day Zero Twist. We both said in the preview podcast that it would be totally irrelevant to the game. Confirmed or busted? Uh, Confirmed? What'd they do? Show 30 seconds of it? Yeah, absolutely. That was great. I did like the... uh, the 
little tiff between Marissa and Jervis. You can tell they're they're there's they're definitely not as close as the other couples on here. And to that point, I don't think we see even a one percent chance of Jervis switching places with Marissa uh, on the Redemption Island duel at all. Well, no, even on the next time on Survivor, they showed all three of them leaving. So oh, did they? Okay, that I missed, but um, yeah, well, there. So to that point, then we get to the first impressions vote. Laura Bonham, surprised or not at all that she was the first one voted out? Not at all. I think we both sort of talked about how it was going to be. Well, first of all, we correctly predicted that it was going to be a guy's club. We, uh, I think we both said we thought that the loved ones guys were going to team up together. And Laura was obviously the first casualty of that. Right. And the loved ones guys are an incredibly athletic group of people. I mean, when you look at the loved one guys, you have John Cody, uh, Brad Culpepper, Hayden Moss, Caleb Bankston, and then who's the fifth one? Vitus, a yoga instructor. Those are, that's a five incredibly athletic people. And then when you look at the returning players males, you have Rupert, Colton, Jervis, Aris, and, uh, Tyson. So you've got two, maybe three athletic people, but then you have Rupert, uh, Ru- uh, sorry, then you have Rupert, Jervis, and Colton, who aren't exactly the most physically fit people on uh, the face of the planet. Uh, Jervis is in really good shape. I can see him. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's the, th- Jervis is, it, maybe it's just swimming, because we, we saw that same problem in Survivor Borneo, and obviously it's been 13 years. But yeah, he, he might, yeah, it's, he's rough. And so when you get to those physical swimming challenges, I think we're going to see a lot of wins from the, uh, from the loved one side if, we don't, if they don't have puzzles at the end. Yeah, let me just say this. Uh, the people, when we did our predictions uh, podcasts and our power rankings, the people who I said had the least amount of chance of winning, and number 20 was Candace, and number 19 was Rupert. Uh, I think I made some pretty wise choices there, Jeff. Absolutely, you did. I, I don't even remember mine. I have the list here somewhere. Um, but well, I know one thing, Jeff. You had Marissa a lot higher on your list than I did. I did. And you know what? It's funny because I, I eventually changed my mind. I'm in uh, Lister Potter's power rankings game, and I ended up ranking Marissa like 18th, I think. Um, I had Rupert. Rupert and Candice were up there at like 8-9. And I had Laura really low, but... So anyway, Laura, we weren't surprised she was voted out. Candace, were you surprised she was voted out? No, the thing su- that surprised me is how beloved Rupert actually was on his tribe. I was surprised that many people were like him, liked him and were like, oh yeah, we want to play the game with you. That's yeah. the only thing that surprised me. I, I get sort of the, the whole Candace, uh, Laura, we don't really know you guys, like, who, who the heck are you? And especially Candace just coming very last minute, like the day before. Right. This, I think, I think, like I said in, in the predictions, you know, first impressions, everything, and even those times where you're not talking or just looking at each other, that could, that can do a whole lot. And Candace didn't have the opportunity to do that. Right, I absolutely agree. I was surprised that Laura Moret got some votes, but I think that in that little moment, you see a lot of things as to why Tina Wesson won the game. 
you see her look at Candace and use Candace's own words against her to vote her out. You see Tina Wesson using other people for her own utility, like, we want Rupert on our tribe so he can feed me, right? She never says she wants to play the game with Rupert from a strategic sense, because I doubt she does, because if she's smart, she remembers what Rupert did to her. But Tina has so many great little moments in that segment. There's probably three or four of them that I'm going to have to go back and watch and list out. But you really see why Tina won the game. One thing I disagree with you, I do think Tina wanted to play with Rupert strategically because, if anything, Rupert is loyal, and Tina knows that. That's she fair. She unfortunately was just on the wrong side of his loyalty. That's fair. That's fair. So, and I think it's sort of that old school lines. I think she did actually want to play with him. <laughs> and everyone online is talking about her her line about how she wanted Rupert because he's a good shelter builder. <laughs> right, right. I think it was someone. Someone said he's he's a. Someone said he's a good shelter builder, but a bad shelter designer. Um, For the uh, log cabin fiasco of Survivor All Stars, that is what we're talking about. Rupert decided to dig into the sand to build a log cabin and ended up getting washed away. <laughs> right. And I think another thing that you see that's really important in that first scene is Aris playing the game from the beginning, voting for one of his really, really good friends in outside outside of Survivor, Jervis, and blaming it on the fact that he's a Redskins fan. Jervis knows what's up. Jervis isn't going to be mad at Aris for that, but Aris doesn't have any blood on his hands. He comes off as funny. And he gets away scot-free. And I think that was a really good move for Aris to vote for Jervis. Yeah, you've seen the, the two winners and why they won. Yeah. So. Now, we voted off two people. We voted off Laura and we voted off Candace. Rupert now takes the place of Can of uh, his wife, Laura. Surprised. No, not at all. I mean, were you? Um... Yes and no. I was surprised because I thought that Laura didn't even have a chance to play the game, like, wouldn't have a chance to play the game. I honestly didn't think that they would give them the chance to switch until right before the duel, which I think is what's going to happen, obviously, next episode when they ask Jervis if he wants to switch with Marissa. But I didn't think they would give them that chance until after. So after Rupert had already made alliances and gotten a feel for his place in the game. So I was a little bit surprised that it happened at that moment. Yeah, Jeff Probst uh, in an interview said that they were going to do that way. That, uh, that the loved ones would have a chance to switch right after they, they got voted out in the first impression. So ah. I, I sort of knew that coming in. And I sort of thought that Rupert may do it. And then I knew for sure... As soon as uh, in the the first couple minutes they said no, it Laura this is Laura's chance to play the game sort of thing. I was like, okay, yeah, he's gonna do it. Right, right. And I think that that was that was the indication that I I was surprised, but not surprised. You know, I I was like under the impression no one would ever do that type of thing. But when you think about Rupert, I mean, the fact that he's had three chances to play the game, he he's a he is a good guy. A lot of people don't like him. He gets kind of a bad rap. But he's a good guy, and he wanted to give his wife a chance to play the game. Granted, it probably wasn't the best strategic move for them as a couple, because if she gets voted out, then they're on Redemption Island together with no way to really fix it. Um, but 
I think it just shows his character really more than anything. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I liked Rupert this episode. I mean, he wasn't my favorite, uh, but I, I did think it was, you know, maybe he, he got a little smarter and realized maybe I should save the energy for the challenges and not strain myself. I thought that was clever, and it made it made Candace annoyed, so I enjoyed that as well. Right. It's definitely a good pre-merge Redemption Island strategy, because it doesn't matter what those people think of you. If you lose, you're out of the game, it doesn't matter. If you win, those people aren't on the jury. Now, if it's post-merge, I think it does matter, because you're the, doing the Aussie strategy at that point is probably better. Um, yeah. But, but yeah. Were you surprised that John did not take Candace's place? No, I mean, John has a legitimate shot of winning this, and Candace has no shot at all. So I'm glad that they were both able to realize that. Right. <laughs> right. I thought there was a chance just so that way he didn't come off as a bad husband after Rupert had just done it. But once once he they looked at each other, and he looked at her and said, I think you have a better chance at winning the duel... Which made me laugh because that's so ridiculously false. Um, I knew that he wasn't going to do it. Yeah, and, and once again, it's the, it goes back to the same thing that Candace got to play twice and John's never played before. So I think I think it's sort of the same mentality. So we touched on this before. Percentage chance of seeing Jervis switch with Marissa. Oh, uh, well. It, it's zero. Zero. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I just wanted to, to point that out. First of all, I think uh, uh, one of the reasons why I personally and a lot of people liked the premiere is that they had a lot of character scenes yes. that weren't necessarily about all this strategy. And I would say, especially for the favorites tribe, uh, A, some of them we hardly didn't even get to see at all. Uh, and B, you know, there was no strategy talking about. Yeah, with the exception of the Monica Colton, but even that wasn't really strategy. Colton said, we'll talk about it later, but, you know, you're you're on the right track type of yeah, thing. Yeah, it was mainly about them dealing with their relationship with each other and trying to get along, and less about the strategic making of life. Right. And I think we have, on the, uh, on the family member side, what is possibly the best character scene in modern Survivor ever, I think? Which is when Sierra's talking about her teenage pregnancy, Vitus is talking about his heroin addiction, and then you have Brad Culpepper, who's lived this super privileged life, uh, kind of realizing that people do go through these types of things. That was just a really strong scene, and it really screamed uh, far in the game for all of them. I think all three of those are destined to go pretty far in the game just based on that scene. Yeah, if I had to pick a winner's edit from this first episode, it would probably be Venus. Oh, absolutely. When he's sitting on the beach right there, kind of talking about how you need to open up to people in order to get them to trust you, and uh, to win the game, you need to give a bit of yourself to each member of the jury. That was just, that was winner's gold right there. Yeah. But, uh, I, that wasn't my favorite character scene from the episode, though. Really? Oh, wow, uh, okay. My favorite one, uh, it just made me laugh, was Brad Culpepper's finger thing. The, the four in a group of nine. Oh, okay. Nine. See, I wasn't considering that really a character scene, but I see where you're coming from. That, that, that's, that's developing the character of Brad Culpepper. 
Fair. 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 But it did have strategic impetus as well. Maybe. <laughs> if you can call it strategy, it had it. It had, it had strategy if you only showed the, the second part. But suddenly they showed the first part and they completely screwing it up. <laughs> well, because I'm sure that when Brad Culpepper was doing that confessional, he started over because he assumed that they would just cut out the first part. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and it was just great, because five of nine is gone. Wait. Five, four of, five of nine is gone. But four of nine, you're good. Wait. It was, it was beautiful. And so then one of the other big character scenes in the episode was Colton uh, kind of breaking down in tears about uh, being ridiculed and made fun of for being gay when he was younger. And I think another really strong character scene that showed the fact that maybe he has changed and maybe there is reason behind uh, what he does. Although I would say that the next time on Survivor episode uh, segment doesn't really bode well for that, but I think it was even ruined within the episode when he threatened to hit Cat uh, over the head with a paddle. Absolutely, and Cat is—you and I have talked to Cat. Cat's one of the nicest people in the world. I don't know how you can threaten to hit her over the head with a paddle, but her reaction was even better. Her reaction was just, "Oh hell no." It was, well, it was perfect. I think it challenges Tack. It's very intense. So I think yeah, I think Balchi is very nice. She can she can get intense. But the other thing is, what's up with with Cat not getting hardly anything? Like you said, everyone had at least confessionals, but one of hers like mostly at the beginning. And she had her, both of hers were at the beginning. The first one was with Hayden when they gave everyone one before day zero. And then the uh, second one was right before everyone met together on the beach when she said it's the most important thing in the world to me to beat Hayden Moss. And then she was done. Yeah. Uh, it's, and it's pretty sad when Laura, uh, Laura from Samoa beats Tack and, you know, in airtime. Absolutely. I, uh, I, I know you and I kind of agree on this, but Kat is one of, for the viewers, Kat's one of our favorite uh, contestants from seasons past just because of her humor, and uh, she's just great. We've had her on the podcast before. She's, a, she's a absolutely hilarious, both in person and on Survivor, and so we both think it's a huge travesty <laughs> that she didn't get more airtime. The only bigger travesty I had on the episode is that we never really get to see Tyson's humor and his witty comebacks and jabs at everyone. I mean, we saw him almost be like the hero and provide fire for the uh, the favorites tribe, but other than that, we didn't see that much of Tyson. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I personally think that the only way that this season should end is with Cat and Tyson getting a showmance and starting dating each other. Because that would just be the funniest relationship on the face of the planet. But, um, yeah, Tyson's humor was kind of absent from the episode. Um, except other people were pointing it out. You have Laura Bonham, who's like, I'd rather see you naked than uh, some of the guys on the other tribe. Obviously pointing back to Survivor Token Jeans when he was naked half of the time. But 
Yeah, but we also saw a little bit of strategy in Tyson, a little bit of education, the fact that he realized his mistakes, learned how to make fire from Boston Rob. He's been thinking about his survivor experience, and I still don't think that he wants to win necessarily. That's not his purpose for being there, but I think that he is going to be a little bit more careful in calculating this time. Yeah. Let's let's talk about the big controversy, and let's talk about Jervis never nervous Peterson. It's something I didn't really expect to happen for the first in the first episode, but I, maybe he's just so amped to play again that it came out. I mean, but, to be honest, uh, David, if you had performed, if you had just you personally had just totally blown the other tribe out of the water, you outperformed every single person on their tribe. Wouldn't you be excited too? Yes, and if that was the case, then maybe Jervis would be a little justified. But considering he was the weakest link on the uh, favorite tribe, and he essentially dragged his whole tribe down with him, and apparently, from what I've read in interviews, it was even worse than what we saw on TV. Like, the editing was generous to Jervis of how how long and how <laughs> how horrible he was in this challenge. And after the challenge, he had to get checked by medical. He was so exhausted. Wow. And everything. So it's it's uh, so weird because he's such a physic he he's such on the outside such a physically fit person. Yeah, but you gotta admit he's one of the old guys this season. I mean, he's That's true. Twenty three or something. Uh, he's no spring chicken. But uh, to see that and to see how cocky he was. <laughs> and bragging, that was, uh, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was the whole reason why Marissa got voted out, so it's just it's really interesting. Yeah. I think also, like, what he was saying was, that's how you do it, that's how you do it, and I don't know about you, but that is not how I would try to be performing in Survivor Challenges. I would not be using Jervis as my example. I thought he was saying, like, don't let that fool you or something like that. I think he had that in there, too. He said, like, okay. a bunch of different things. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was an oddly cocky moment, and especially this season where you have family members competing with people. Yeah, and, you know, you have and to give the newbies some credit. I mean, it's your first time ever competing in a challenge on Survivor, and it's real. It's one thing to have the jitters and to be nervous and to be running or swimming. It's another thing to be jitters and trying to be doing a mental puzzle. And and for the the uh, you know favorites, they they've dealt with that before, so they know how to over, overcome it. Whereas for these young, young, all three of the people doing the puzzle are younger, and and this thing, their very first challenge on Survivor, it's got to be a little more nerve wracking. It's hard to stay focused when that happens. Yeah, and it, it it was really interesting, sort of the mother-daughter dichotomy that there was between Tina and Katie and uh, Laura and Sierra, kind of both the moms saying, oh, don't worry, I, I'll destroy my daughter, and both the daughters being like, oh, I can take on my mom, she's so old anyway. I'm just here to say, I would beat my mom in a puzzle. Yeah, <laughs> well, good for you, Jeff. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it was an interesting challenge in that, there was that sort of tension between them. And then you see Katie just completely give up, which I honestly didn't expect. I thought Katie was going to be one of the better competitors, challenge-wise. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely interesting. And let's, uh, let's talk about the 
the uh, let's talk about the loved ones tribe um, and the sort of five person alliance. Why do you think all the guys went along with Brad's plan? I think in survi- in modern Survivor, you go along with the first plan that comes to you, and you don't question it for fear of someone else in the tribe ratting you out. Mm-hmm. It's convenient. It makes sense. It's got you know a added benefit of keeping the tribe strong in this case. Uh, yeah, I think that's. I really think that's what it is. Because and it's it's weird. It's weird because, according to Monica and Brad, uh, there was a pregame alliance to get rid of Brad. Yeah. And Monica didn't even want to come because she was so upset that she would come and Brad would be gone and people were already there was there was no reason to come if they weren't gonna you know make it very far. Uh, so apparently it was that strong of a pregame alliance, but apparently not. <laughs> Well, it might have also been when they thought they'd be on the same tribes as well. Right. So maybe this actually helped Brad and Monica. Right. I think so. But uh, how long do you think this all-guy alliance is going to last? I think that Sierra is going to be able to force her way in, maybe through Vetus. Um, I think that either that will happen or Vetus will branch off and join another group of people who he thinks he has a better chance with. Because he seems like sort of the... He, I was going to say, he seems sort of like the... Uh, he he seems like the fifth man on this alliance. Him or Caleb. Yeah, and I think another big scene was showing Vitus going to all the girls and building relationships with them as well. Right. Uh, I think that was a, a very important scene. Right. But I, I could see Katie and then Rachel uh, being the next two voted out. So I could see the the five person guy last uh, five person lines lasting a while. Yeah. I just think I I don't think Sierra is gonna leave this game too early. I feel like she just seems like she's around for longer than that. Well, and also you gotta think they could win a lot of challenges, so they may not have to vote that many people right. off. Right, right. And you have to... Th- I don't think that there is a tribe swap that's going to happen this season. Because it would I be... It, it would be unfair, because some people would get put with their partners, and some people wouldn't. So I don't see a tribe swap happening. Which is important to note. What do you think the dominant alliance is on the favorites tribe? Uh, it's too early to tell. I thought Jervis was in a pretty good position, but I don't know now. They may need uh, <laughs> they may need strength, so they may get Jervis out. Um, I would sort of think that Laura's sort of an easy out. So I don't know if they've talked a lot, but it, it also seems like Colton's digging himself in a pit, and he may be an early outcome. So I don't even know if there's... I think Tina and Aris are both smart enough to realize we don't need to make a core and have two sides yet. There's enough people that are sticking out that they can just get some easy boots uh, and then secure 
something, you know, solid and build those relationships as a piece forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think that Tina Aris and Jervis are going to be a really good core three, but they're not going to make it explicit. And then I think that the, I don't think Laura is as easy of a first target. I think they're going to grab Laura so that way they can grab Rupert should he come back. Very possible. And I think Laura's enough of a like kind of starry-eyed at this point and just happy to be there that she'll go along with whatever they say. Yeah. And then you have Kat who wasn't shown at all, which either means she could be a Brenda or she could be gone in the next, you know, however many weeks. But right. I think Colton may be on his way out again. Yeah, uh, I think so. And I think it's... And I think that your analysis of the fact that you don't need a core alliance right now uh, in two sides is, is a smart analysis because in the next time on Survivor you see Colton being like, I'm tired of Kumbaya and things like that, which shows that someone is doing a good job of keeping everyone comfortable except for Colton. But Yeah, well, and maybe Jervis actually made his strategy work. Like he said he was going to try to slow the game down. Yeah, maybe that does actually work. Right. And see, I just I see Jer Jervis in this season as like Chicken George was in Sur Big Brother All-Stars, where Jervis did not play Survivor. Jervis played Survivor Borneo, but Jervis did not play Survivor. And so when he is talking about to his niece, like, you're new to the game, it's like, so are you. It is such a radically different game than what you played. So I think that him slowing you down the game is really the only way that he has a chance. All right, you brought this up. Let's talk about it. Is there anything Marissa could have done differently? Um, I don't think so. I think Brad Culpepper had his mind made up, and I think whatever Brad went with was what the five guys were going to go with. And it's interesting because we this is the first time we've seen someone from the other tribe like really uh, <laughs> affect someone in the, the their own tribe. Like Jervis did, I think, add that target to Marissa. I think she was a target before that, but I think that was the nail in the coffin. I think it, I think Katie would have been voted out if it hadn't been for Jervis. And it was it's very possible, yeah. And I, I think it's also important to note the fact that Jervis's survivor legacy is now that he has gotten two people voted off with his stupid comments. Oh. <laughs> um, if, for those of you who don't remember or don't know, back in Survivor Borneo, Jervis made a comment that was, I believe, and quote, women are the stupidest thing on the planet next to cows. Jervis was lazy, he did nothing, and still... The comment was blamed, and the person who was voted out, it was blamed on Joel, and Joel was voted out for making the comment that he never made. And now yeah. Jervis has done it again. There we go. So, perhaps this will be a running gag throughout the season. <laughs> Jervis eliminates everyone by And then he stands, he, and he, there's no way he wins a jury vote because everyone knows. Yeah, I don't know if, if Marissa could have done anything different. I think the only thing is maybe try to be, maybe try to befriend Brad more. And I think I I had her low just because she was young and could be a little more outspoken and everything. And I think maybe she was even a little outspoken at the beginning with the first impressions. And, uh, and I yeah. think that maybe that uh, caused to ruffle even some feathers too. 
and, and there could have been some negative impressions early on, but the, the Jervis thing was the nail in the coffin. Yeah. I mean, I think calling out Brad immediately, like you kind of said, didn't do yeah. wonders for her game. And it's exactly what you said pre-game, and I didn't believe you, that her naivete would get in her way. Maybe it's I'm just doing pretty good on these power rankings. Yeah. yeah, maybe it's just the fact that you uh, you're so much older and wiser than me that you know yeah. how people react yeah. to the the youth of today. Yeah, I mean I you're you're so much older than me. <laughs> so yeah. so much. Anything else you had about the episode? Uh, not in particular. Like I said, a really strong episode. We both, like you said, both got very strong winner vibes from Vi- from Vitus Vitus. Um, I don't know. I'm going to have fun pronouncing his name all season. He said, they said Vetus on the show, which is the first time I was like, oh. I even counted out loud when I watched it. I was like, oh, I thought it was Vitus. Guess it's Vetus. Can we really trust Aris's, uh pronunciation of his brother's name, though? Who knows? But I'm going to be calling him Vetus now. Sounds, sounds good. Uh, yeah, I don't have too much else about the episode. Uh, I think... I'm really, really happy that it was good because I was so upset with all the negativity that was going on uh, pre-episode. So I'm really happy that the episode was good. Then the only question left is, who do you think uh, will lose the duel? Oh, um, I think... I think Marissa will lose the duel. Candace and Rupert have a lot less to lose, but the duel is based on endurance and keeping a steady hand and not getting too nervous because it's uh, if you didn't know or if you guys didn't catch it it's the same final immunity challenge as we saw in survivor one world so because uh, it's where you've got like a metal track and then you have a stick and you have to transport discs through the metal track and then stack them on top and it's on a spring so if you hit the metal track it kind of wobbles a little bit Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and I think that because Rupert and Candace will be able to stay calm, cool, and collected, that they'll have a pretty good shot. Yeah, I could say, I, I think it's either Marissa or Rupert. Rupert, I don't know how good his, his you know, he has bigger hands. I don't know if, if that would be an issue. But I think Candace is actually the safest of the three. Absolutely. Now, the question is, and I don't know, maybe Jeff Probst commented on this as well, can couples switch at any time? For example, if and this one might be different, but let's say Candace wins this duel, Candace and Rupert win this duel, and they go on. Can do John and Laura have another opportunity to switch with their loved ones? Um, uh, yes. That every single duel, uh, I think they even get to find out what the challenge is. But before the challenge starts, they will have the opportunity. So, uh, like Jeff said, this one there, people may decide, oh, not yet. But as it gets closer to someone getting back to the game, they may decide, okay, now now I can do it to save yeah. my loved one. That adds a very interesting dynamic to it. Because if you get to a challenge like this, you know, let's pretend, for example, that Laura has the steadiest hands on this side of the Mississippi. Could be a very good opportunity for her to win the duel. And then next time, Rupert were to take her spot and put her back in the game. It just adds a, a huge layer to be able to do that every single time. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Did you see, like, every three days you have a new person on your tribe? Right. Just, like, Laura and Rupert decide to switch on and off. Hey, guys, it's me for these three days. What's the strategy talk? And then he goes back and Laura's like, I'm back. All right. We're still good. <laughs> right. Or it's like the amazing race where it's with roadblocks. You're not allowed to do more than six. So you have to talk <laughs> about That would be great. No, but, yeah, that's – that I think by putting yourself – in the duel, you are absolutely risking the fact that your returning player will get voted off and then have to be on Redemption Island with you. Alright, here's a question for you. This could be very interesting. Uh, the other twist is whoever gets first place uh, gets a clue to the hidden media idol that they give to someone in the game. Right. If, if Marissa gets first place, does she give it to Jervis? If Marissa gets first place, I think she gives it to... Ooh, that Who is... Who else does she give it to? I mean, you know... Right. The question is, does her dislike for Jervis transcend her dislike for any of the people who voted at her out? Every single person who voted her out. I think she gives it... Oh, that's so difficult. Yeah. The other two, I almost have no question that they'll give it to their loved one. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but that's just so interesting to think about. Who would Marissa give it to? Well, we sort of expect, you know, we expected this, that Jervis and Marissa weren't exactly particularly close because they're an uncle and niece. You know, like, I get yeah. along with my uncle well enough, but we're not best friends, you know. Yeah. And, oh, that is that is a good I'd never thought about that. That is going to be interesting. Now I kind of hope that she gets first place. Yeah. To our listeners, uh, leave us a comment on our Facebook page, David and Jeff Survivor Podcast. Uh, if Marissa wins the first Redemption Island duel, who does she give the immunity idol clue to? Yeah. Do you think there's any way she can do it in order to uh, advance herself in the game? Like, it, would giving it to Brad, you think, really help? No. Yeah, see, that's what I'm thinking it's too. too early. Right. What's the odds that she's going to be there, you know, five challenges later? So I don't think it would help at all. Right. I, I'd say she'll probably give it to Jervis uh, in the hopes that if he wins a million dollars, he'll feel bad and give her some. <laughs> but I honestly don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, it looks like we're pretty much done with the episode. But before we uh, sign off, I'm going to play a little game with you, Jeff. Oh, no. David, you do these unplanned games. And, oh dear. Okay, we're playing a game. Yeah, I think you're going to like this game, Jeff. Uh, here's how it works. As we know, this whole season is about uh, returning players versus their loved one. So I thought we'd do a little thing uh, asking you your opinion, and we play the game. Who would do better? So I have uh, compiled a list of some uh, famous loved ones from previous seasons of Survivor. We'll take two of them, go head-to-head, and ask, which one do you think would do better on Survivor? Okay. I thought so, for a uh, second that you had, like, called my mom and asked her questions about me or something. No. I like this much better. Okay, first one. Colby's mom or <laughs> Colby's brother? <laughs> um. Wow. We saw Colby's mom in the Australia. Right? We saw Colby's brother in Heroes vs. Villains. We're not the only uh, ones who saw Colby's mom in the Australian Outback, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, 
I would say that Colby's mom would do worse. Colby's brother would do better. Um, but I have no reasoning for that. <laughs> Just Colby, jeez. That is such a funny scene between him and his mom. Alright, next one. Who would do better on Survivor? Uh, Jake's wife, Jenny, from Survivor Thailand. Right. Or Bob's wife, Peggy, from Survivor I am going to say Bob's wife, Peggy, because I've actually talked to Peggy before, and Peggy is one of the nicest people on the face of the planet. I talked to her on the phone a couple times uh, when I, we were trying to get Bob on the podcast for a while, and she is just so kind and sweet. I cannot imagine anyone voting her out. All right. I'm sure Jake's wife is wonderful. I mean, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just I'm actually. Sure that's what you just said. I'm, I've actually talked to Peggy. Okay. Alright, here's the next one Mike Scoopin's son. Okay. Or Big Tom's son. Bucky Bo. Bucky Bo or Mike Jr.? Isn't that Mike Sunson? Yeah, I think so. I'd say... Oh, that's a tough one. I'd say... Uh, I think I have an answer and then I can't decide. Uh, probably, I'd say probably Bucky Bo. Uh, if you look at how well Big Tom did on the show, I think that it... I think that him and Bucky Bo are a lot more alike than Mike Jr. and Michael Scoopin are. And so he just... Is a, he is a little bit more of the charm factor. Right. Um, Speaking of which, did you see the uh, pilot episodes of Big Tom's show Family Beef? I've not Scott, watched it yet. It is, it is on my list. Was it good? It, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I hope I hope they make more of it. I'll suggest to them. Good. And fun fact, Lex is actually one of the lead producers on the show. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, oh, I'm going to go with Bucky Bo on that on that one. I think it's, he's charming enough, and we see people like JT, you know, that kind of person win recent, more recently. Yeah. All right. Who would do better on Survivor? Taj's husband or Helen's husband? Uh, I think Taj's husband. Eddie George. Well, ooh, that now that I think about it, Eddie George is pretty famous. Um... I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna switch that. I would like to see Eddie George more on Survivor, but I'm going to go with Helen's husband because he is so good at taking direction that he would make a very good alliance member. I mean, we saw him just comply with everything Helen said, and I think Eddie George would also be targeted for being famous, uh, like we saw with Jimmy Johnson or uh, Gary Hogaboom was kind of targeted early on if people had known who he was. So I'd say probably Taj's or Helen's husband would do better. All right, next one. Parvati's dad or Cochran's mom? <laughs> um, I think that, oh, geez, that's rough. I think Parvati's dad would probably do better. Um, I think that he's probably a bit more intimately involved with his daughter's success on Survivor, so he maybe knows the game a little bit better than Cochran's mom does. And also, he uh, seems to be maybe a little bit more well-suited to play the game, just from a physical standpoint. Yeah. All right. Lisa Marie 
Lisa Wenchel's brother or Malcolm's brother? <laughs> I think Malcolm's brother would get himself into trouble. That's for sure. Um, I'd say probably Lisa's brother is more well-suited to play the game. A little bit more physically fit. Uh, a little bit less off-the-wall, cocky, you know, crazy type of personality I think would do better in the game. All right, next one. Kathy Vavrick O'Brien's son, Patrick. Right. Or Shane Powers' son, Boston. Oh, jeez. I don't even know. I need to, like, see Boston today because he's – Boston's probably 17 or 18 now. Older than that, I would think. Let's see. Survivor Panama would have been in 2006, which was seven years ago, so he's 19 or 20 now. Yeah. 19 or 20. Um, Like I said, I need to see Boston now because I don't really know is he physically fit. Uh, is he, you know, a likable guy like he was when he was 12? Um. But I would say, I think Kathy's son definitely has a good chance in the game. He's not, like, a perfect physical specimen, but he's capable. And I think he seemed likable when he was on the show. Uh, Boston also seemed likable, but he's also Shane Powers' son. And part of me thinks that there might be a little bit of Shane Powers in him. <laughs> Alright, next one. Terry Deet's wife. Mm-hmm. Chris Doherty's life. Oh, absolutely! Like you know how you know how I'm gonna answer this one. Lori Doherty is, a, first of all, one of the nicest people ever. Um, she's a frequent commenter and frequent participant in uh, the Facebook group previously on Survivor. She knows the game very well. She's very well connected with the fan base and a lot of the other survivors. And I'd imagine a lot of the other survivors' loved ones as well. So I think if we're having like an all loved one season or a loved ones versus their survivor seasons, Lori's already going to be at a social advantage because she does know all of those people. Um, now I think Terry's wife is, while she may be a kind person, she comes off a bit more conniving and a bit more like manipulative because even when she was in Panama, she was trying to play the game for Terry. And I think if she were playing the game for herself, that would be even more prevalent. Whereas I think Lori would be better at just kind of making those relationships and hoping that that can carry her, which I think it would be able to in her case. There you go. All right. Cindy's sister or Greg from Borneo's sister? <laughs> oh, jeez. You, David, you are, you are a hoot and a holler. Um... I'm going to say Cindy's sister because she was at least brave enough to come out on the island. I'm we, sure if Greg would have made it far enough and won that challenge, Greg's sister would have been on the cruise ship. Hey, I'm just saying, she sat at the comfort of her own home. <laughs> Cindy's sister actually came out. Jeez. Um, oh, and I, I, want, to, I want to amend my a little bit of my statement from earlier about Terry Dietz's wife versus Lori Doherty. The the pitfall of Lori would be uh, she may she may be a little bit too trusting. If you remember that Chris um, convinced her that he was out every round past the one that she saw him. Yeah. So she may be a little bit too trusting, a little bit too gullible, but I think she'd still do well. All right, our last one. Brandon's dad, Sean Hans. Okay. Or Thunder D. 
Oh, jeez. That, that would be a tough one. Question. Does, do people know who Sean Hance is? Uh, it's, it's hard to not know who Sean Hance is. That's fair. Especially if it's like a loved one season of Survivor, people who know the show well. Um, I would say Sean Hance would be definitely stigmatized from the beginning for being a Hance, although he is probably the least Hancey of the Hances. <laughs> which is the sentence I never thought I'd say. Um, but who is the other person? Thunder D. How can you forget Thunder, Thunder D. I, okay, I think Thunder D wins the, uh, wins this one simply because I don't think as many people are going to remember who he is. While his impact on Survivor is greater, he simply hasn't... I mean, it's been so long since he was on with Johnny Fairplay. Um, that being said, he's still pretty active in the in the fan community, and with all the vitriolic reactions people have towards Johnny Fairplay, if they do recognize him, I think he might be out even faster than Hans. So I'd say probably Dan, simply because people won't recognize him, but... There's a chance that if people do recognize him, he could be in trouble early. Yeah. Well, there you go. That is uh, our Survivor game. What do you think, Jeff? It was fun. It was fun. And I, I, you know, like we said earlier, we absolutely love games. So, uh, And if you're a guest on the podcast, we will probably play a game. It's true. So I think that's all we have for this podcast. Stay tuned, though, because next week we are having a very special guest. Uh, since Candace will be competing in her first and potentially last duel on Redemption Island, we are going to be speaking to the one, the only, Billy Garcia, and hear all of his thoughts on the blood versus water twist, what he thinks of Candace and how, he, uh, how she is doing on the podcast, and so much more. So stay tuned for that. Uh, it's always uh, a fun a fun time with Billy Garcia. Most so. importantly, what he thinks of Candace's husband. Yes, yes. What does he think of John Cody, the competition? <laughs> yeah, I love I love Billy. He's a great guy. He's always a good Two sport. Two people have Candace's husband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, that, should, that should be a good time. Uh, make sure you tune in. You can find our podcast always at survivorpodcast.blogspot.com or by subscribing to our Facebook page, David and Jeff's Survivor Podcast. You can also check us out on iTunes, David and Jeff's Survivor Podcast. Be sure to comment, rate, subscribe, and favorite, and any and other, and any and every other thing you want to do. We thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, it's truly a joy to be able to do these podcasts. It's a lot of fun. Uh, at least I myself really enjoy them. I'm sure Jeff does as well. I'm up till 2 a.m. doing these podcasts. You better bet that you, I enjoy it. Yeah, so thank you guys so much for listening. We will back, be back next week. It's Billy Garcia. You do not want to miss it. And uh, keep watching Survivor. Have a good night. Goodbye. Bye.